Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales, both on and off the felt. Hello and welcome to Poker Stories, presented by Card Player, the Poker Authority. I'm your host, Julio Rodriguez. If you haven't listened to our first episode with Jesse Sylvia, be sure to check that out. This episode features Jason Kuhn, who is coming off his best year on the tournament circuit with almost $3 million in winnings. In fact, four of his top five scores of all time came in 2016. He won the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open in August for a million dollars, and then he nearly took down back-to-back 25k high rollers in December at Bellagio. Jason was nice enough to invite me over to his place in Las Vegas for our talk, and we got into some great stuff. That's enough intro, let's get right to it. Jason. Hi. How you doing, man? Good, man. <laughs> so I wish we, I could be uh, joining you on a happier occasion, but last night was a tough tournament for you. Uh, yeah, it's still a happy occasion. Yeah, but uh, for those that don't know, you uh, played a, a three uh, straight high roller events at Aria. Mm-hmm. What is it like uh, going in to work against that caliber of fields a whole weekend, knowing you're going to put up a hundred thousand in buy-ins? Yeah. What What is that like getting prepared uh, to do that going into the the casino? What's your game plan? How do you uh, focus up before a tournament like that? Um, there's lots of little prep work. Also, um, Ike and Ben flew in, Ben Tolerine and Isaac Haxon. Those two of my good buddies. So uh, the night before the first tournament, we all had a big dinner here and just kind of chilled and shot the breeze and talked a little bit about some strategy and stuff. And uh, it's funny because Ben busted me uh, <laughs> from my first bullet of the 50K yesterday, <laughs> and I busted – him uh on the first bullet of the 25k on the first day it's funny because we're sitting here having dinner together talking strategy and next thing you know it's you just got to play it the same way that is a weird dynamic in poker in that somebody can take your money or you could take their money and the next day you could be friendly but i can't imagine that happens in every uh instance has has an event at the table ever affected your relationship with somebody outside of poker um not a hand per se, but certainly the way someone has reacted or treated someone else, that's mm-hmm. uh, shaped my view and I'm sure shaped their view of me before. Um, yeah, it's there's uh, we're all different and we all respond differently to things. I think most of the high stakes guys that have been around a long time are pretty good at dealing with the standard uh, results of poker. But when you see some of the pros, when you see them like, this is very rare, but uh, say I looked up to a guy and then I saw him talk down to a dealer. I'm probably not going to like him so much anymore. Something like that. Yeah. You ever go to bat for a dealer and uh, oh yeah, it tilts you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've I've actually uh, got kicked out of the Rio, <laughs> or almost got kicked out of the Rio one World Series of Poker because this this kid went off on. There was like an old, like a seventy year old recreational player. And some kids started, like, going off at him at the table, and I got so fired up and tilted that I almost got 86th from the Rio. It's but, tough because you want to defend them, but you know you're there for your own job, and you're yeah. going to suffer as a result. Yeah, and, it's weird. Oh. Yeah, it worked out, though. 
Yeah, then you always get the table captain from uh, hometown, wherever. Yeah. The hero. Like, In my casino, the rules are this way, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Weston, West Virginia. Uh, All right. And born and in you, Charleston. If you had a few adjectives to describe that area. <laughs> um, simple. Uh, simple life? Simple life. Blue collar yeah. kind of towns. Very small. Uh, green. Beautiful in a lot of ways. It's uh, in a mountainous town. Bunch you grew of up lakes. outdoors a lot? Yeah, yeah. I grew up on a little farm. And uh, even though we weren't farmers, so we were surrounded by like horses and a bunch of outdoor activities i fished like over 300 days a year as a kid i was always sitting on a lake by myself with my dog fishing was it just simple simple fishing or did you get like competitive with it no i mean i was always competitive but i I wasn't like a guy that would travel the circuit or anything i just went out there and caught fish and you weren't uh, i didn't keep boats and no none of that i got a paddle boat when i was a little kid and i would paddle that thing for like miles through the lake people thought i was (laughs) insane but it was a lot of fun. Or even early on, you already knew the uh, the benefits of the upper body workout. And yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is good cardio here, yeah. rowing this boat. Oh man! So, um, so when did poker come into the mix? Uh, college, I was uh, a sprinter in college, and I got hurt, and I was bored, and knew a bunch of guys that played poker, so I gave it a shot. A couple of my best friends were pretty good, and. Uh, yeah, played against them a little bit. Well, I remember you telling me about your injury, if you want to get back into it, because it yeah, sounds no. pretty horrible. Yeah, I was a full-blown sprinter. I was fully committed to trying to be, like, a nationally ranked sprinter. This is Division Two, Division One. I. I would just get eaten alive, but um, I was getting pretty good. I was very strong and uh, ran an indoor meet, and I uh, was running 200-meter, and indoor tracks, are the turns are sharper, so... It's a little more difficult, and uh, yeah, just tore my, basically tore my hip off the bone. Tore my hip flexor just completely off the thing. It was pretty nasty, like a little thud and a roll, and yeah. So okay, you you're modest about it being Division Two or whatever, but yeah, let's compare it like to like the best. All right, okay. So who who runs the two hundred now? Well, the the fastest guy is obviously Usain Bolt. He's the the freak. So what's what's actually time? Uh, they're in the 200, they're touching down into the 19s. I mean, if you can run like a 20 anywhere in the 20s, like one of the fastest division two sprinters in the country would be like a high 20, like a 20.9, 20.8 would be a total freak. Uh, an Olympian is low 20s. 20. If you break 20, you're one of the fastest people in right. the entire so planet. So where, where were you at your peak? I was a high 21. Okay. In the 100 though, I got pretty good. I was like high to mid 10s. And, like, you'll never see – like, a world-class sprinter is 10 flat and a little under that. Like, mm-hmm. once they start hitting the nines, you're talking Olympian. 9.9, 9.8, those guys so you're are – like, a second off. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, like, 8 meters or something, 10 <laughs> meters getting getting crushed. I, I found out there I think I double the best times. Yeah, I'm yeah. Coming in at 42 seconds. No, I think 100. You come through probably <laughs> no, 25. No, not I was giving myself credit for the 200. The there. 242, that'd be – yeah, you you could do it. Because what you said they're doing in 20? Yeah, freakish. Yeah, I could do it in double that time. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I still right. run a little bit. So you're laid up, you're yep. playing cards. Mm-hmm. Success right away. No. Okay. Uh, it's like I didn't really like our football team uh, in our hometown. Not a lot of my friends were football players on the college team. It was more 
with the track guys and mm-hmm. some of the nerds and but a few of the football players like to play poker and I played with those guys and they beat me and I really didn't like it mm-hmm. um so I got a hold of a bunch of books I read them all really quickly and do you remember the first book I remember the first uh, I I know I bought this like Phil Gordon book called like the little green yeah poker I book mm-hmm. I bought that I bought get a bunch of colors yeah, okay, well, I bought the green one. I remember that. And I bought a Sklansky, Sklansky's, like, Theory of Poker book. It's a great one. And I bought a Harrington on Hold'em uh, cash Oh, wow, so, so that was already out, so this must have been... Yeah, I was 2000, this would have been 2006, 2007, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I want, I want to say 07 makes sense for Harrington on Hold'em. Mm-hmm, yeah, those were the ones that I started reading. Did you ever have a light bulb moment? Where you're, where you're reading, you're just like, oh, that's a new way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I've had a, tons of those throughout my career, but in the beginning, just understanding like what a range was, I was like, oh, my God, holy <laughs> shit. You mean I don't have to put them on an exact hand yeah, every single yeah. time? Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> up until that point, you know, we'd just be like, yeah, I think you have queens before yeah. the flop. A guy's Not raised. only is it queens, it's diamonds. Yeah, queen of diamonds, queen of clubs. Eight clubs right yeah. there. Just because the guy raised to three times the big line. You wouldn't have done that with the queen of spades. Yeah, that's still like, I try to be a good sport at the World Series, and I am for the most part. But whenever I hear somebody say something like that, I just have to like put my headphones on. Some guy looks at me and he's just like, put you on queens. And I was just like, I just raised before the flop. You can't do that. That's not the way that works. (laughs) But it was the way you raised. You have a very specific pocket queens tell. Uh, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) That's That's 100% reliable every time. Yeah. I always love uh, I put you on Ace King like whenever they like call with like sevens or deuces or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're just like I gotta justify this somehow. Yeah. Well, oh, he has Ace Queen. I was even more right. Somehow. See, that's kind of reasonable. Like the uh, I like when the fish say that one because there are a few things that happen with Ace King that don't happen with aces, and so the fish can look at you and say I put you on Ace King, and I'm like, ah, all right, fair enough. What they're really saying, though, is I hope you have ace-king. I hope you have ace-king, <laughs> yes, and not tens or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you find some success. Tell me about your first big live tournament, because I knew you were an online guy. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of success online. But what was your first moment of, like, I'm a pro, and I'm putting up money, and I'm going to be in a live tournament? I played a 3.2K tournament at Borgata. That is such a weird way to say that buying amount. I'm sorry, $3,200. <laughs> yeah, everything is like fractions and decimals. You're like a computer man yeah, at this no, point. Robot. Yeah. 3.2. Sorry, sorry. 3.2 buy-in units. <laughs> yeah, well, I played $3,200 uh, buy-in yeah. at Where Borgata. Borgata. And ran deep, ran really deep. Actually, I remember I had... Oh, was this like a, a spring poker open or what? A winter, WPTs? winter. Winter poker open. Yeah, it wasn't a WPT. But I'm sure we could look at the Hinden mob because I, I got yeah. in the money and I was one of the chip leaders in the money and then I just got completely owned by this guy, Steve Weinstein. I'm Thorladen yeah. was his online name. Yeah, he he crushed What happened me. to Steve? I don't know. You know what? I remember this exact tournament because he finished like 6th or 7th or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Todd, uh, what's-his-face was deep in it. He may be one. Todd, uh, really nice guy. What's his name? Todd, uh, he's an attorney. I'm blanking. Used to play all the time. There uh, was a kid named John Krantz who who had like crazy hair, and I think Todd he Terry. finished seventh. Todd Terry. I think he won it. I don't remember Todd Terry winning a WPT, but I haven't seen Todd in a year or so. Yeah, there was 
Yeah. I think it was I, Todd at least chopped it with somebody, this one, mm-hmm. for a load of money. So where'd, uh, so where'd you end up, finish up in it? I don't know. I think like a couple hundred of us cashed, and I maybe got 60th or something. I. But was it was there nerves? Were you shaking the first level or? No, but I remember I was just absolutely bananas uh, because everybody was bananas back then, and I was exceptionally bananas. <laughs> so it was fun bananas for a while. In a spewy way. Yeah, for okay. sure. And it's funny because uh, me and uh, D. Peters play together all the time, and I remember he was already like an OG in the game. Right. He was there. Uh, Jay Camby was there. You remember him, James Campbell? Remember, yeah. Awesome guy. Uh, he was deep. So it was neat to look around and see all these faces. James that Campbell, I, yeah, what happened to him? Yeah, I think he's just being a dad. He's yeah. got a bunch of kids. He was always one of my favorite online people. I should go back through all like those uh, online poker rankings from like 10 years ago. Yeah, he was there, Poker ago, Pro. And see who's still doing it. Yeah. There were a lot of guys who were like crushing it for seven figures every year. Yeah, they're out now, most of them. Damn Black Friday. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the fun ones. All right. What's the worst bad beat you ever put on anybody? Because uh, I don't want to hear your bad beat story. Okay, so <laughs> not for an amount of money, more it's just whatever that means to you. Uh, in terms of equity, I've uh, one outed quads with the Royal Flush once. That was pretty cool. Like got wow. Ace Queen of Spades in on King King Ten Two Spades against Pocket Kings and Rivered the Jack of Spades. That was. You got it in good though. You didn't call off. Oh, I was I put in I, I can't remember what it was. I just remember screenshotting it and like showing all my friends this was pre pre uh, Black Friday. Yeah. That was pretty nasty. Also uh won a set yeah, I won sevens against Kings all in once in a live tournament when the guy flopped top set and I backdoored quads. So was it all in pre? Yeah. Okay, that's not as bad. Yeah, but it's still pretty sick. But for imagine him to, if you if it goes all in on the flop. Yeah, yeah, and no. You that, call off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sevens on the king high board. Um, that would be dirtier. Yeah. So I happen. guess uh, a little perfect, perfect happens every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, I've seen them all. I think. What about like in terms of like uh, money stakes or like uh, like um, situational? Yeah, it would have been the uh, this year in the Philippines. That okay. Manila hand, also the largest pot I've ever played in my that life. That was the next question, the biggest pot you've ever won. But uh, I wasn't sure if I, that would count as a bad beat. Oh, that was a bad beat, for sure it was. <laughs> I mean, it was as bad as, bad as you, it can get. You had a lot of outs. I, oh, wait, on the turn, I, I didn't have <laughs> all that many outs on well, the Well, now that we're talking about it, I want you to go through the whole thing again. Because um, I love this story. Playing an enormous game, uh, biggest game I've ever played in terms of big blind. I think the big blum is around five thousand U.S. dollars. And this uh, is in Macau. In Manila, okay, Philippines. A uh, bunch of the legendary Chinese guys, and Phil Ivey was there, and uh, David Benefield, and a couple other live pros. Live meaning, like the, they're very live, or they're no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, one of them was very live, very talented guy. Live but, meaning, but but they, pl- they they don't play online. Exactly. But one of the guys used to play online and uh, just mainly plays live now. And I'm not talking about Durr, uh, but he plays a lot like Durr, actually. Very tough, very smart, hyper-aggressive, mm-hmm. high-pressure. Like Everyone wants to know, what's Tom up to? He's doing okay. I'm he not lo- fishing for it. Don't worry. Well, he lost his dad this year, so oh, he was kind man. of – Yeah, people are too hard on him. He's. It's brutal. It pisses me off, to be honest. It's brutal when you read online 
Yeah. Like, what happened to him? He must be broken, living in a ditch. Yeah, no. or like he's a slave to life these guys. Happens. Yeah, life happens. <laughs> he, big deal. He doesn't want to be on TV all the time. Yeah. And the truth of it is, is like I've known him for quite a long time, and whenever I was an absolute like low stakes grinder. I met him and he took like 40 minutes and talked to me and was super attentive and kind. And, uh, and every time I've played high stakes with him, I saw him take one of the most brutal beats I've ever seen in my life. It was $2 million bad beat. Uh, we were playing a 300, 600, 1200 game at Aria. And he just got a trip eights in on queen eight, eight against aces for like, it was for like $1.8 million. Oh. And the guy rivered an ace. Um, and he was just like shipped the money over and was like nice hand it was a rec player or whatever so uh, from my experience tom is like a seems like a really good guy and fantastic gambler and yeah he plays insane stakes and his lifestyle choices probably aren't what i would do he's a high variance kind of human but he doesn't have a tainted reputation he hasn't done anything wrong to anyone and i think he's made a good living for himself i remember when i first met him it was like in tunica not tunica must have been biloxi mississippi he was playing, uh, that's what it was. It was a WPT event. Now I want to say that must have been Biloxi. But, uh, yeah, it was just a simple, I think it was a 5K at the time. And, mm-hmm. But he was super nice. Everyone was like, oh, that's Dirk. Oh, yeah. that's Dirk? Because I think nobody had ever seen him in person outside uh-huh. of Europe. Mm-hmm. So, and he was super nice and answered all of our questions. And that's what I'm saying. He's wanted a man. to hang out afterwards. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great. But, you know, whoever's on top, everyone's got to tear them down. Yeah, I have a – actually, yeah, I know this is kind of going uh, – Hey, tangents are what yeah. this is all about. <laughs> I have a pretty sweet Durr story. I still got remem- – I still remember to go back to your story, so okay, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. We'll yeah. do that. Um, I My first PCA, I had a very small bankroll, and a friend of mine, Zach Clark, uh, crazy Zachary online, yeah. He's now he's more of a sports guy, just um, – he was friends That's with Tom. That's uh, Chip's nephew. Exactly. Chip yeah. Reese's nephew. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, do you uh, you want to go have dinner with Durr and a few other people?" And I was like, "Whoa, cool! Yeah, this would be the first time I'd ever met him in person." Um, and next thing I know, we're at dinner, and there's twenty five people at dinner, and it's at that Mesa Grill, and they're ordering bottles of wine and doing what they do, crazy Mesa amounts at of food. Palace? Uh, it, it was in PCA in the Bahamas. Oh, PCA. Sorry, they have one over there. Yeah. And uh, everybody eats, and I'm thinking, wow, this is what a spread this is. I hadn't really eaten at nice restaurants before, and they're drinking their fancy wines and champagnes <laughs> and stuff. And then uh, Durr's like, okay, everybody pull out your credit card for the CCR at the end of the meal. Yeah. And I'm thinking, holy shit. Like, this bill was like $6,000 or something. Yeah. I maybe had 12000 in my checking account at Because the time. not only is it Mesa Grill, it's also in the Bahamas at the PCA. At the Bahamas, yeah. And they're drinking, like, vintage wines. and Priced like Disney World. Yeah. So I'm basically learning a CCR for half the money I had in my checking account. I'm not saying for half my net worth, but still probably, like, at the time, 10% of my net worth or something. And... <laughs> And there was 20 people, so I, did I was like... I not sign up for this. Yeah, I remember Zach... Like, <laughs> All looked, I had was a salad yeah. and a water. <laughs> Zach looks at me, and I could tell he was kind of saying, like, if you want me to, you know, throw in for you, I can. And I, and I was like, no, nah, I'm in. And I was kind of thinking, like, whatever, it's 1 in 24, I get drawn. Next thing you know... Final, wait, wait, did you guys sweat it card by card? Or yeah, was it the card first by card. Oh, I'm in the final four. I love it when you, when you pull like that, the sweat. Uh, 
Yeah, four people left. I'm still in there just shitting myself. Like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> and they pulled me out four, and I remember just being like, play it cool. Like, it's not a big deal, but I wanted to cry. I was so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a funny. So what, what did, was Darius Card last, uh, last? No, he got he did get heads up. Uh, I can't remember. He got heads up, and whoever the other person was lost. <laughs> and that guy... Couldn't afford to play poker anymore. No, I think that guy was really rich, so he was <laughs> fine about it. And he was never heard from again. No. Um, all right, that was a good one. So let's get back to uh, Manila. Okay. So, yeah, playing a huge game. Uh, one pro or one guy that the, is a – he is a Chinese pro, but he's very live and big gambler, and the game was kind of running around him. He was tilted. And the next thing you know, it's like uh, a lot of money goes all in pre with me uh, putting in a f- either a three or a four bet. I mean, it's such an enormous game. And him cold calling uh, behind me in position. I had red kings. And it came down 10, 8, 7 with two hearts, one diamond. And I checked the flop and he bet full pot and i went all in and he called with 10 eight of hearts nice two pair yeah that's two pair and i was thinking uh i mean the really it was a it was a peculiar feeling uh yeah because it's what 800k in the pot a little over yeah it was closer to 900 you've been playing for how long at this uh, point? Uh, three days but uh some rest in between there yeah this had been a long night and uh, this was kind of – I was winning very – I was winning consistently, and the stakes were much smaller uh, throughout the first couple of nights. And then this would have made me an enormous loser on the trip. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, all those, uh, other, all those other hands you won, they don't yeah, matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's, and I was just sitting there telling myself, okay, be a good gambler, like be a man about this and tap the table and get up and go uh, – Go get Bianca, my girlfriend, and get on a flight and get the hell out of here, and we'll figure stuff out. We'll figure out a few things, what to do with my <laughs> Macau roll and all that <laughs> oh later. God. Um, yeah, so uh, turned nine of diamonds, so picked up the entire deck, it Was and he got up and was like, hey, y'all, like screaming. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, my favorite part of the story is, like, Ivy had been just betting sports for three days, and... He was in the seat, but he was just kind of doing other stuff. And first time I saw him, like, perk up and take his headphones off and stare at the I flop. I was like, 800K? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I now c- you I got could, my attention. I could spare a minute for this. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the guy, the insurance guys come over, and the dude buys some insurance. And uh, and Paul Foix looks at me, and he goes, you want to sweat the card? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so they throw me the card face down, and... Uh, peeled the three of diamonds. Ship it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Phil was mad that you won that pot. Yeah, he was probably. Uh, well, I don't know if he, he was mad. Always for the the fish at the table. I right? guess so. Yeah, but that Just the f- in case. luckily the the that pot to that fish was like losing a one two pot for us. I mean, it was <laughs> for, for you, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. For <laughs> you, a one dollar, two dollar pot. He yeah. apparently has won eighty to a hundred million in those games. So. Whoa. Yeah. See. Those are the guys. I got to get them on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talk to the real <laughs> high-stakes players. I understand why everyone's tight-lipped. No one wants uh, anything to dry up. I get it. Well, it's really 
I, I'm dead serious when I say it. That game is was not that soft. It wasn't like a, those dudes are. It's really hard playing against someone who has no problem just putting you yeah. to the test every hand, and they give away absolutely nothing because they don't feel any attachment to the money. They, yeah, a so, complete disregard for money. Yeah, I mean, and and they're good like post flop. They're like sure the guy leaks crazy pre flop, but if he hand reads pretty well and he can just go all in at any moment. That you're looking for a really, uh, really intense couple of days of poker, and it's not—they don't just punt, you know. It's not like he just sticks it in with no equity. So it's not easy. So what's the? Uh, I know you mentioned the credit card roulette for six <laughs> K or whatever it was. Yeah. But what's the? Uh, what's the other gambling degen story you have outside of poker? Man, I'm so boring. Uh, I'm trying to think. I. I've had a few times where I had action. Uh, I guess all poker players have done that. Like, we've swapped with people, and then, like, a year goes by, and then you, like, look through your records and realize you owe somebody, like, 20K or something, and <laughs> it's that's happened a few times. All the record-keeping on the back of a napkin. and Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm better now, but you still – there's so much going on, uh, especially in the super big tourneys and big cash games and stuff. Um, but for but you stay away Deegan, from the pits. You stay away from sports betting. Yeah, I never. I honestly don't know the rules to uh, craps. I don't know the. I know the basic rules to blackjack, but I still don't know what like the optimal plays are. Yeah, I've never uh, made a bet bigger than a thousand dollars. What do you do? What do you get? You dealt two eights. What do you do? In blackjack? Yeah. See, I really don't know. So uh, I could do this. So. Well, this is just one of those standard rules that if you play blackjack, you would know. So you've already proven you don't play blackjack. Okay, yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. I just, okay, if you have two aces, what do you do? Uh, you would split them. You split them. Okay. Yeah, same thing for the eight. I don't know why you split eights, but I was told aces make eights. sense because they're elevens, right? So if you just yeah, draw so paint, you paint, you ship jacks. it. Yeah. I don't okay. know why eights, but you don't split tens. That uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you split tens, but only against a, like a dealer six or. Lo- I'm already butchering the strategy yeah, I don't, for blackjack yeah. right now, so don't follow any okay. of my advice. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know any of the. I, I don't even know what the like plus one fifties and minus like two hundreds and stuff. Oh, mean. for sports betting. Yes, yeah. I believe that's the amount you would get back if you bet a hundred dollars. Okay. See, I didn't know that. I really didn't. So if it didn't. says one twenty, that means you get one twenty. For. Uh, plus your hundred back. Okay, so if I if if something's minus one twenty, then it would be the reverse. So you'd get. Oh God, man! You risk one twenty to get a hundred back. You have to risk one twenty to get a hundred back. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That's the negative odds because they're okay. probably the, the minus is the favorite. Yeah. Okay, I knew that. Yeah, so that's what those numbers mean. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's you're talking to. Do a you guys person. remember when Jason Kuhn was on top of the world, and then Julio taught him how to sports bet? <laughs> yeah, it's done and now. Now he's living in the yeah, gutter. Minus one twenty. That sounds pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah, no really huge degen. I've done some really crazy shit in my life, but whenever it comes to gambling, uh, well, let's hear about the crazy shit. I've done a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, whenever I was younger, I mean, I was a complete lunatic. Uh, I was in a high-speed pursuit at 17, mm-hmm. ended up wrecking a car and being arrested. What uh, kind of car? A Honda Civic. Okay. Four cylinders of pure power. Yeah. Was it, uh, was it like your little 
uh, project car. It really wasn't. I am not a handy like my friends were you good were in, at that. You were in Fast and Furious. No, I mean I I was I was into that stuff, but I just didn't know how to work on cars. I thought that, that was really cool, you know. I like the idea of racing cars <laughs> yeah. around and stuff. Is that how you were involved in the in the pursuit? No, I was just coming home down the interstate uh, from a soccer game, and my and the blue lights came on. I already had one speeding ticket against my record, and our state had this law where if you were under eighteen, you got two speeding tickets. You lose your license until you were twenty one. So I was like, mm, free roll, let's go for it. <laughs> 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 free roll yeah because i was doing 85 and a 70 so i was certain i was getting a ticket so i just figured it was what was the fine well it worked out evading police yeah eight and a half miles of a high-speed pursuit i got yeah. it right up in the paper and everything i felt pretty special but uh, i mean compare punishments yeah it worked out i instead since it was a more intense uh, crime it bypassed the dmv which means i got my license back whenever i hit my 18th birthday but i had a probation officer who just kept my driver's license until then i had a curfew every night uh but they let me off pretty easy because i had good grades and i'd never been in trouble before yeah uh yeah i had a curfew every night so i just ran indoor track all winter and i had to miss uh what was it senior week or whatever i couldn't go to that but outside of that it, it worked out yeah it was cool so i was home early anyways. you have the kids yeah run from the police yeah, if you have to definitely flee yeah <laughs> <laughs> it'll work out great <laughs> yeah, that that happened. To be fair, if it wasn't for that state law, for the second offense, yeah, the stupid law, I would have pulled right over. Yeah, it's really their fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. What's your favorite thing about being a poker pro? Freedom, for sure. Just being able to wake up when I want, do what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really important to me. I, I get extremely anxious when I feel deadlines. Things like that really, even so, uh, make videos for Run It Once, and they are so laid back. They they don't give me deadlines. They're just like, they get it by now that it's like, okay. Well, as somebody who works around deadlines frequently. Okay, there you go. I will say this. Sometimes when you have a deadline, but you don't have anything to write about, the product isn't so great. Okay, So if yeah. you have the freedom to just create as you go. Yeah. It's going to be a better product. That's I, that's right where I'm at. And I, that just that overwhelming feeling of anxiety, is, that's why one of the main reasons I quit that job I had in two weeks. Yeah. So weeks. Uh, so what is your, your normal schedule like when you don't have a tournament to be at or a cash game to go to? I'm up early. Uh, get up between 8 and 9. It's not crazy early, but for a poker player, that's early. Um, I do like a – I do a lot of cooking. So I do like a morning routine and then – cook a bunch and uh, do hang out with my girlfriend read a bunch we do a bunch of fun working out hiking and uh, when we're here we we do the red rock stuff when we're in Vancouver there's lots of cool mountains and things to do this uh, right after the PCA and Aussie Millions this year we're, a bunch of us got a cabin in Whistler so my routine there will be getting up and going skiing every day mm-hmm. I think for the spring Skiing over snowboarding. Yeah, I'm a skier. I've never tried snowboarding, although it looks awesome. I've never fallen on skis. Six times gone. Wow. Never fallen. Never been up properly on a snowboard, though. Never uh, been able to stand up on one. I damn. almost whipped myself in the back of the head. What do they call that? Uh, scorpioning yourself. When you fall forward and the board... Oh, no. Yeah, I cannot get up on one of those things. My okay. brain doesn't work that way for those things. Okay, so maybe I'm just not going to try that. But skis... 
That makes sense to me. Yeah, I like skiing. <laughs> Just let gravity do the work. Yep. <laughs> That's so hard to turn. So um, what's your least favorite thing about the poker world? Hmm. Um, well, right now it's certainly the locational thing of having to be out of the country all the time to play online poker. That's caused a huge inconvenience in my life. Uh, I love the friends that I've made uh, living in BC and uh, traveling a bunch, but it it was really, really nice to go play a live poker session and then come home and log, throw up some online and invite your friends over and maybe have a Sunday. And that just doesn't happen anymore. It was cool to watch NFL and play right. some football and or, or play some poker and watch some football or play the Sunday million and watch some yeah watch go football. go be with my family during the holidays and and have Thanksgiving and play uh right. play an online poker session none of that happens anymore and it's it's a real shame so that's it the needing to be out of the country I, I I'm in love with online poker right now too so it's and it's easy for us because it's really it's two hours and 50 minute direct flight it's not hard, and the border's been really cool, but still, uh, that that's a huge inconvenience. I mean, it's insanity. You're talking people that pay honest amounts of taxes and do nothing but good stuff for the economy, a bunch of nerds that just stay in our house all the time. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Um, what's the most frustrating thing you've ever read about yourself in print or online? Hmm, frustrating thing. Read about myself. Uh, probably someone trolling me. I don't know. I I always worry about... I guess we all do that. We worry about being perceived a specific way. I wish I could say that I was always confident enough in myself to not give a shit what the world thinks, but it bothers me if... Let's say I can't really think of that much trash talk going... Jason Coon's way. Well, I'm not. Somebody would have to be real ballsy. No, no. I just, <laughs> I, I've been a dick at the table before, and it's something that I've worked on. Uh, I mean, I've never been a huge dick, I don't think. No, but, but I, if it's that one person's experience with exactly. you. Exactly. That's how you are in their brain forever. And forever, ever. yeah, and it's awful no feeling. No one's allowed to have a bad day. Yeah, I had a guy, like, on Twitter one time, uh, like, say that I said some shit and I really hope I didn't say the stuff that he said uh, I said but I can't fully deny it because it was like three <laughs> years prior or something yeah um, so just it was a the thought state. of me ever being rude to someone or being uh, negative to someone in a live setting really uh, bothers me uh, you ever been interviewed by non-poker people like a hometown magazine or a newspaper or something yeah like I was on Anderson Cooper once oh really yeah so what's the most ridiculous question you've ever been asked from non-poker media? Oh, well, this wasn't about uh, – this was before I played poker. I was on Anderson Cooper. Uh, <laughs> okay. It was about like a mining Well, tragedy. I want to hear that too. Uh, well, no, I was, just, I, I was just like a college kid, and we had a mining disaster in our hometown, West Virginia, and I just had to talk about that. I, my grandfather was a coal miner, so I, I had some insight to offer. Uh, but with non-poker people asking me poker questions – it's always the same, like, default stuff. Everyone gets it, you know, the counting cards, and I've seen 21, and uh, do you work in teams and all that shit? Uh, of course you do. Yeah. You yeah. signals? Yeah, that's what I say. I'm like, yeah, I can count cards. You know, I count <laughs> 52 of them usually in a deck. Counting cards. Yeah, do you count cards? Everyone's 
favorite poker skill? Oh, I'll tell you an awesome one I had. Okay. Uh, this wasn't an interview, but this is an awesome interaction that I was highly amused by. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an interview. It could just be like idiots on the rail. Yeah, well, this was an idiot on a plane who um, I was sitting on a plane, and he asked me. It was We were leaving Vegas and going back to the East Coast somewhere. And he asked me what I did for a living, and I said I was uh, an investor. I didn't want to talk about poker that day. I was too tired. And he's like, uh, he's like, man, I, I just uh, left a 48-hour poker session down at the Golden Nugget. He said he recognized you. No, 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 he must no, have. no. Because listen to this. He said I left a 48-hour poker session down at the Golden Nugget, and I was uh, playing a nosebleed game against. And then he named, like, four, like, TV poker pros. Mm-hmm. And I was coming home from the Five Diamond tournament or something where they were all there, and nobody was at the Golden Nugget. <laughs> and it was so funny. Just He went off for, like, 30 or 40 minutes <laughs> in this, like, descriptive story about this cash game he was playing. <laughs> the Golden Nugget were yeah. all the top pros. Yeah, I was like, man. Putting up at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, binions or whatever. It's like, come on, man. Um, so that was funny. <laughs> I just nodded my head the whole time. No, I couldn't help myself if I were. No, I was flying coach, man, and he was sitting right beside me. I wasn't. Oh, that's right. For some reason, I I changed the story to you were in a cab. No, no, I was on an airplane. (laughs) Yeah, if you if you can't escape, then yeah, Mm -mm. call them out. Four and a half hours or whatever. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was with all those people. Yeah, no, I wasn't gonna do that. I was just gonna say, really? Oh, really? Let me call him right now. <laughs> I have a cell phone number. Yeah. We'll ask him if he was at the Golden Nugget. <laughs> the Golden Nugget. Yeah, I don't know. That was strange. All right. What's your favorite tournament destination? Because you've been to all of them at this point, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been just about everywhere, excluding a few of the EPTs. You've been everywhere in the states too. You know what? I've never been to uh, Foxwoods. Oh, okay. But I don't think that one would find its way into my favorites. I'm not sure, but... It used to be a big stop. It's a beautiful facility when you're there, but it is kind of isolated. Okay. It's a nice drive from the airport. All right. Those aren't very fun. But, yeah. Okay. Well, I've never been to Foxwoods. I really like uh, the Aussie Millions location. That's Mm -hmm. really great in Melbourne. Uh, The Florida place is sweet, Seminole. That's really a nice location. Aria, man. I mean, honestly, you just can't beat Aria. Yeah. Aria is great. And you, and you could sleep in your own bed at night. Exactly. Yeah, you can come home. Uh, Aria is just, they treat the players great. They run amazing tournaments. The high rollers, if you're there on time, are rake-free. It's sick. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that rake-free yeah, thing. rake-free. Well, they know it's uh, bringing in eyeballs. So. Bringing in eyeballs and people rebuying left and right so they get the rake on the back end. What? Uh, oh, this one's a fun one. Who is the best poker player that we've never heard of? We, as in the poker media, who you know buries our heads in the sand and okay, sometimes um, focuses on the wrong guys. There's a few guys that are incredible. I think that you guys have caught wind about a, a bunch of them. It like, could just be somebody who's underrated or maybe that isn't getting enough love. Okay, well, I think uh, you guys probably don't underrate Ben Solsky or Ben Tolerine. Those, those no, we t- don't underrate them, but you're right that they, because they're online cash game guys, Yeah, they don't always get the credit they, reserve, they deserve. Yeah, like Ike gets the credit now. Everybody knows Ike's the super genius, and he's great, but uh, the two Bens, Tolerine and Solsky, are unbelievable poker players, and they're the guys that are the cutting edge, like superstars. They're... 
they're so far superior to almost anyone else that it's scary. So those guys and uh, well, that's got to bum you out a little bit, right? That you, these guys are you know how good they are. Yeah, well, I know but how good right they now are. the poker world's talking about Kasuf. Yeah, I'm saying know. that's poker. Yeah, I'm kind of detached from that now just because it takes so much energy away from trying to get better. I know this is like a lame interview, but no, no, I like it because okay. I wonder. I wonder, did you have you got a chance to watch your w, uh, your your uh, did you were they the televised the seminal one? I think they will. Oh, I haven't. They haven't I haven't watched it. Uh, I haven't watched. I've actually never watched the full a full series of any uh, poker tournament that I've played. It's not like. A, like uh, I don't like watching TV with me on it kind of thing. I, I think that's cool and awesome that we get to be like, hey, check that out. I, I get to yeah, play yeah. on TV or whatever. But I just, um, I'm always doing something else. There's always something to be learned or played or, um, so a little detached from that. But those, yeah, those guys, it, it doesn't bum me out because I don't think they're concerned about people giving them credit. They just quietly sit there and make. Uh, Ben actually, um, pulled up his lifetime graph and showed me like his win rate in poker tracker for Mm -hmm. 3 million hands. And I'm not going to drop numbers. Maybe he'll be nice enough to show you before you leave today, (laughs) but it's the most terrifying thing. That's a super rude question to ask. It's it's the most money do you have, sir? It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so sick. To me, more important than the money is the consistent. Yeah. It's the graph is just straight up. You don't see any moments no. of emotional turmoil in the Nothing. graph? Nothing. I mean, you see some little dips, but they always recover, and you're talking three million hands of nosebleed poker, and the guy's yeah. win rate is insane. Um, so those guys are are the greatest. Uh, there's also some tourney guys that – tourney guys get bad, like don't get enough credit because a lot of tourney players are bad and have run really good and have made a bunch of money, and, you know, they're not Name terrible. Names. Go. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but there are a few guys that are technically sound and really good uh, theoretical poker players. This kid, uh, Stefan... Jedlicka? No. No, no Stefan... I think his, like, his last name's similar to his first name. It's like Stefan Stefansson or something. Okay. Um, he's <laughs> Goose Core Online. He's one of the German kids that's young now, and he came out and played like one drop and a few of the 100Ks and stuff this summer. Uh, he's friends with Reiner Kempe and those guys. Um, he's a fantastic player, and no one's heard of him really yet. Germans uh, are killing it. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. They're hungry, and they're good. So, tell us about the worst regular job you had before poker. Mm, I didn't have many. I carried shingles as a kid for my stepdad, who was a roofer. Uh, I can't even say that that was that bad. It was really hard, but it got my legs strong, and that was that was cool. <laughs> I was looking on the bright side. Yeah, but... Uh, it was manual labor, but no, it was I'm cool. better off for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think How old I were am. You? Uh, 13. Okay. Like 13, 14. So you weren't a toddler out there. No, no. <laughs> no. They were like 70 pounds a bundle. So it was you never had to go down in the mines or anything like that. No, I never did that. No mines. Um, I did work as a server, and I, f- I have a newfound, re- well, new as in whenever I was 20, found respect <laughs> for servers because people were such dicks to me and they were so condescending but what was the restaurant uh i worked at this place called stonewall resort in west virginia which for that area would have been considered like a hoity-toity kind of nice resort fine dining yeah exactly so they would have conferences there and some guy would call me boy or say get this or get that and i was just like yeah i'm not i'm not doing this anymore you're you're not a smart person and you don't have the right to talk down to me and 
Yeah, I just yeah. wasn't putting I guess up. it all depends on what restaurant you go to, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, all servers yeah. are uh, the most patient people on earth, in my opinion. Yeah, and just incredibly... Because uh, they have that fake smile plastered yeah, on their I face. I hate you. Yeah. And then the second they walk back through the kitchen... My wife's a server, I know. Oh, there you go. So she walks back to the kitchen, and immediately it's... She's like, dick. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> feel so bad for again. them. And I'm a big tipper now because of that. Like, I always tip well... Because well, I know, like, at least some of that's tax I'm paying on the fact that they got to put up with assholes all day. <laughs> the asshole tax. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so when you got your headphones on the table, if you ever do, what are you most likely listening to? Rarely, but I do put on headphones on, on occasion at, like, unbearable tables generally. I'll never wear headphones. Well, I can't say never, but 9 out of 10 times you won't see me wearing headphones at a super high roller or a high roll, roller table. Um, but I will be wearing headphones at lower stakes tourneys sometimes when people are, when there's a guy at the table just telling the, uh, consistent poker jokes that everyone's heard a thousand times in a row and just won't stop talking. If that's, uh, right now, <laughs> that should be another question I add to the arsenal. It's like, what's the corniest thing you've ever heard? Yeah. Checks in the mail. Yeah. I hate that one. Checks in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's checked to the last guy and he just bets and he goes, no, checks in the mail. Oh God. That's yeah. Okay. You have to leave now, sir. <laughs> now at this point, even the check your privileges, like take it easy on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've, Ugh, yeah, we've, feel bad for Griffin. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, right now I, my favorite rock and roll bands, the red hot chili peppers have always been a huge fan of them since I've I was a boy. always made the argument that they're the most successful act of all time. They're incredible. I mean, it's three and a half decades. When you go back and look, not only how long they've been doing it, but they never had that point where they, everyone was like, really, you guys again? Yeah. Everyone's always been super excited for every new album, uh-huh. even though they're, they are decaying yeah. on stage as it is right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh, yeah. But the music's consistent. Yeah, they're killers. It's, it's within their style. Yeah. And you always enjoy it. Yeah, and they, they never write a record for to sell records. They're always doing their own thing. I got... I read the Ketis biography and that was, or autobiography and that was really good. Um, love those guys. I love I, a vast array of music, but right now I'm into Talking Heads. Uh, Paul Simon, really like Paul Simon. You're going back. Yeah, I like the old stuff. The new stuff is just trash to me. Uh, most of it, at least. I I can't I can't deal with it. I can't deal with, like I like classic blues, classic country. New country is the worst music I've ever heard. It's have just, you um. See, seen Bo Burnham's stand-up special? His oh new my one? God, that was good. The, this makes me happy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make happy or something like that. Yeah, it's unbearable. It's true though. I mean, I'm from like well. from like the country belt, you know. And yeah. my friends play bluegrass and country music, and I love it. Uh, Pandering is the name of the song. I think it is. Pandering. Pandering. Bo Burnham pandering. YouTube okay. it. I will. I'll look it up. I'm talking to the audience, but okay. I'm <laughs> giving right. you a direct order. <laughs> Well, you better look that up, Jason. I'll relate because I hate it. I, this new like sellout poppy bullshit where they bring in these guys that aren't even country and they're like, here, talk with a twang and start singing stuff about hip hops and badonkadonks and shit like that. It's like, I don't understand what they're doing anymore. It's just complete trash. But So who do you is like the god of country? Can uh, do no wrong. Well, I f- feel uh, it's I'm conflicted in a lot of ways with country music because... I'm not a uh, spiritual person, 
And I think a lot of the best country music is, is like gospel roots kind of stuff. Yeah. But I respect that as an art and I respect religion. Like I'm cool. Like, okay, I'm not a Christian or well, whatever. I feel the same way about gospel music or soul music. Yeah. In that I'm not a religious person, but that music it's is awesome. powerful. It's awesome. It means a lot. They're coming from a place that they're really passionate about. Um, so I like uh, the, I like Randy Travis a lot, like a really old school kind of classic Southern, yeah. very deep voice singer. Uh, sadly he had a stroke. He can't sing anymore. Um, I like the typical country too, like George Strait, big fan of him, Alan Jackson, the well, old what guys. What kind of a concert would you get up for? I flew to Denver to watch Alan Jackson a couple months ago oh, wow. with my girlfriend. It's He's one of her favorite singers too, but uh, I like the simple stuff. So that's the little simple versed country songs with the standard like uh, steel guitar in the background and just – little uh yeah. melodies that are don't take a lot of thought you know daddy bought me this car and this and that and uh i'm <laughs> there's cool no with hidden that. meaning in these lyrics no exactly and i'm totally fine with I that sometimes but i'm also i like diving in there and uh listening to like the pop funk kind of uh like i said i'm on a big talking heads kick right now uh thanks to eric seidel he has the best taste in music of anyone i've ever met um who else Everyone should follow Eric Seidel on Twitter just for his jokes. He's the man. He is one of the coolest people I've ever met. He is. He has a set of speakers in his house here in Vegas over $200,000. <laughs> and he doesn't spend money on anything. He drives a car that's like he bought 15 years ago. It's still in great shape. You can wow. tell it probably has like 20,000 miles on it. But he doesn't. He has wears socks with holes in them. and like. But he's, he loves his speakers. He loves his music. Yeah, so uh, you'll go over there and... We'll just have some wine, and he'll play four hours of his favorite tracks. He only plays CDs because he thinks the quality is better than MP3 or anything. So, so he's not like one of those crazy people with a thousand records in his. He has a thousand over a thousand CDs easily. But no, I'm talking house. about like records. No, not records. They're compact yeah. disc, but it's yeah. still kind of crazy at this point, in my opinion. <laughs> like it could just all be digital. Yeah, I could download all of this in an hour. In an hour, but he just walks through. His, but it, it there's something special about like walking up to a shelf and pulling out a case and opening up a disc and putting it in this player and you know what it also it promotes you to listen to the entire record start yeah, to finish that's right as the artist intended mm. yeah not none of the single that's how Seidel intends too he doesn't really play you a song he'll just throw in a record and you just start listening that's cool yeah he's really cool <laughs> you ready for the last question sure this one is a random question generator that I found online okay so what, you want to sweat it sure all right you have to answer it no matter what comes up. All right. Well, you don't um, want this one. This one's terrible. It's not incriminating. Here we go. All right. What is the one thing you would like to become better at? Oh, uh, well, there's a lot of things. Um, but if I have to say one right now off the top of my head, um, well, I'll start off on a uh, – just a hobby level. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to get better at playing the guitar. Uh, okay. Have a guitar. I've had it for years. I still can just barely play a few chords. Acoustic or? Yeah. Yeah. It's right there. Um, so I'd like well, to. Well, it's in its case and I can't tell what a guitar looks yeah, like. Yeah. Well. <laughs> outside, inside yeah. its case. Yeah. It's an acoustic gonna guitar. I'm going to guess it's pink. Yeah. Pink uh, with uh, rhinestones on it. Yeah. Yeah. You bedazzled the, it. That's the one. Doesn't yeah. affect the sound quality nope. at all. <laughs> that and well, then. How I'll, would you rate yourself as a guitarist? Terrible terrible like a d a c uh like an f, f being me who's never picked up a guitar a d minus okay so yeah. you're not much better than a, a beginner 
You could learn what I could do uh, in like four lessons or something, three lessons. That's that's a head start that, that yeah. I'll never catch up on. No, I well, maybe. I, I'm going to be good one day, though. Uh, I played trombone for years. Really? Eight years of trombone. No way. I never learned how to read music properly, though. Before every recital or, or if a new piece of music came up, I would just take it to the other trombonist in my group, even though I was better and I was first chair. They could read music, so they would just mark the number about where my hand was on the slide of the trombone. No way. So I wouldn't go A, B. I would just go six, four, three, two, six, seven, eight, and I couldn't quite reach eight, so I had to extend my fingertips. I was wow. Little. Yeah, but can you read cool. music? Have you ever played an instrument no, before? No, no. Yeah, it's tough music. at this age getting into it. Yeah, now I'm like reading tab and all this, you know, nonsense. That's the cool thing about guitar, though. Yeah. You could look up any song in the world and be playing it. You yeah, know. 30 minutes or something. I can't do that on trombone. Yeah. It's the most useless instrument in the world. Well, that's cool. You actually played one for years, though. I guarantee I couldn't play a note right now. Really? It's so it's amazing how fast it leaves your head. Damn. What about you? Like, uh, any hobbies they just fell away? Uh, excluding that one, yeah, I'm sure, man. Uh, there's got to be something. <laughs> there's always goals. Well, it, in and Evading out of police. in and out of reading. Oh, reading—that's yeah. one that comes and goes for me too. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that right now. But uh, this year, I've, I've read more books this year than I probably my entire life. Um, probably like. Eight nonfiction and one or two fiction, something like that. I like nonfiction better too. Yeah, I just read Brooks Haxon's book, uh, "Fading Hearts on the River." The, it's his relationship with Ike and yeah. their kind of their little family story. It's so much fun. The guy's a poet, and he he wrote that little. Uh, I don't know what you would even call that a memoir, maybe. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's it was cool, kind of diving in and hearing a lot about one of my friends and from the time he could walk, yeah. and, and just how he was doing things <laughs> that I couldn't do in college at four years old. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, childhood friends in poker. No, you know what I mean. Yeah. Everyone kind of met each other when they're 21. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, like they just post college. Oh yeah, okay, you play poker. I know your name online, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but Ike was doing math that most high schoolers couldn't do whenever he was like three years old. I'm sure Ike was doing stuff at eight years old that I can't do now. Yeah, all of us. All of us can do. I, I, uh, Brooks claims that Ike dwarfs his intelligence, uh, and Brooks memorized a poem that takes him over an hour to recite, word for word. Think wow. about that. Over an hour, he memorized it. All of it. It was over a thousand lines. How do you memorize something that takes you an hour? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he and Ike dwarfs him in intelligence. It's crazy. Mary Carr, who's uh, the famous. The longest monologue ever in the history of movies is what, 10 minutes, 12 10 minutes? 10 max, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this guy's got a thousand lines of poetry. He can say word for word. Uh, there was a yeah, famous writer, Mary Carr, who told Seidel that Brooks can learn any language in under two weeks. That's insane. Yeah. It's this, uh, this next level stuff, man. I'm That's still what trying you're to master playing Spanish. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> I could, I <laughs> and it was my first language. Yeah, are you fluent? No. Okay. But if I got lost in Mexico, I'd be fine. Yeah, baño. Yeah. Use the baño. Okay. Yeah, I, I would get. I would get around. <laughs> okay. I'd get back to my hotel. All I could right. order food. Yeah. It wouldn't be a problem. But they'd look at me funny. They'd be like, yeah, uh, "He looks pro- like he's yeah. fluent." <laughs> <laughs> your name matches. What the hell's exactly. going on here? He didn't say it right. <laughs> He doesn't roll his R's. Yeah, 
My uh, girlfriend's uh, mom's German, and I'm trying to learn German so we can. Uh, my girl girlfriend's fluent in German. I know a little German. Really? I can count to ten. Okay. You want me to do it? Yes. Are you, do you know how to count to ten in German? I should. Yes. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, um. sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zehn. Is that close? That's exactly right. Yes. That's all. Zane. I, I don't know. I said one wrong. Yeah. I blame because I was doing a Southern Germany accent. Yeah, Mexican. You probably German. didn't hear it. I was. It was a very specific region of Germany. Okay. Where that where I said is correct. <laughs> I don't know how we got talking about this. Ah, it's a hobbies, things learned. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you want to get better at? Guitar. Guitar, German. That would be cool. Um, I'm understanding nutrition and exercise better. Kind mm-hmm. of obsessed with that. Yeah, you look terrible. Thanks, man. You gotta. Really buckle down. I'm going to get freak mode. Is, is the second I get the shoulder healthy, I'm, I'm in, and I'm working on I'm doing some really uh, underground shit to try to heal my shoulder right now. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, like, injecting uh, race <laughs> race dog peptides into my shoulder, like, every other day. I got some experimental work going on in my body. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Like, straight up says not for human consumption, just, just jamming it into my shoulder. I don't think you're going to be able to... To play professional sports. Oh yeah, the performance enhancers. Yeah, this stuff isn't illegal, but it is banned by. Uh, Probably because of one ingredient, like in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's usually how it goes. It's it is banned. Like if I was an athlete, I w- I would be getting in trouble. Well, Jason, I think you're a poker athlete. All right. And I would like to thank you. I'll take it for letting me into your apartment here. Thanks. Beautiful loft. Cool. In yeah. Las Vegas. Glad to have you. You can come over whenever. Really? Yeah. You're leaving tomorrow. Can I come over then? Uh, yeah, yeah. I can house can, it. Yeah. Do you have any cactuses I want to get water or something? There is, yeah. I think they've all died. We have an aloe There's plant. There's one. It's yeah. alive. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so right. much, Rick. You're welcome. For inviting me over. Have a good one. That's our show this week. I'd like to thank Jason Kuhn for being on the show. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Jason Kuhn. I'd like to thank you guys for listening and be sure to check back to Card Player for future episodes in the coming weeks.